welcome. You're listening to The Yarn, where we bring you some of the best reporting from the graduate journalism courses here at the University of Melbourne. I'm Fia Walsh. Today, it's a fine line between utopian and dystopian as we look at artificial intelligence in COVID healthcare. Joining me is Master of Journalism student Petra Stock. Welcome, Petra. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm looking at this picture from your story. It's a robot which you describe as a bit like a friendly Dalek from Doctor Who. It's smooth and blue, looks like it would be a little bit shorter than a human with a screen where the face would be. Can you tell me about this machine and why it's being considered for Victoria's hotel quarantine program? Well, obviously the hotel quarantine program in Victoria has been the subject of quite a bit of discussion because of leaks of COVID-19 out of hotel quarantine, um, especially last year with Victoria's second wave. Um, So earlier this year, these robots were proposed as a way to improve monitoring in hotel quarantine by a company called Monjon. Um, Monjon is a security company and apparently they use these robots at some of their other sites um, which I found pretty intriguing so I thought let's find out a bit more about what they actually do when they're um, on site. What do they do? Um, Well so (laughs) they patrol around a bit like a Dalek. (laughs) Um, These ones in particular um, have a whole lot of sensors um, so they can basically um, see 360 degrees around them they're collecting information as they go um, visual but also have sensors to detect um, uh, air pollution and things like that so they're moving around they're collecting information and um, and a you know, a bit like a Dalek can even go up and down in the lifts. (laughs) And the idea for using them in hotel quarantine um, is that they'll be able to provide um, basically better monitoring of the situation and obviously when things go wrong, be able to look back and try and find out the source of of what might have happened. Okay, so would they be replacing all of the humans in the hotels? Um, The way I understand it is that's not what's proposed at the moment. And um, I say proposed because Hotel Quarantine Victoria weren't actually able to confirm whether or not the robots are actually being used. I think the idea for using them in hotel quarantine is to sort of supplement what the human security guards are doing. So um, you'd still have humans there, but also these robots providing an extra layer of monitoring. Um, And obviously being a security guard in a hotel quarantine, in a quarantine hotel, there's a lot of like waiting around, not much happening. So I think using the robots, it's sort of the benefit is that they don't get tired like humans, although they do need to recharge. Um, And 
they're able to kind of continually collect information. Okay, so as you say, there are a lot of benefits of cutting out this human error being one of them, but what are some of the risks? Have cobalt robots been used in hotel quarantine before? So I understand that they were used in the US um, for the US Open. Um, We had obviously the Australian Open here with tennis players coming in, um, spending their time in hotel quarantine and then being able to play. So I understand they were used as part of the US Open um, over there. Um, The risks really come down to the huge The benefit is all this information they're collecting, but the flip side of that is that's a lot of information and data that's being stored, um, which may include some information about people staying in hotel quarantine. um, And it it brings with it, I guess, privacy risks, um, data security risks. And um, we know also that the use of AI robots Um, and artificial intelligence has had other issues um, elsewhere, not necessarily with the cobalt ones, in terms of bias um, and potential discrimination, particularly with things like facial recognition. So so there's a lot to think about um, when using these sort of AI robot technology Um, in a place like hotel quarantine where people don't necessarily have the choice about whether or not they want to stay there. You write that COVID has seen a dramatic uptick in the use of AI robots. One Texas research lab counted hundreds of different robots being used for pandemic-related jobs. So things like quarantine, but also telemedicine and socially distanced delivery. What are some of the broader ethical and social implications of this? Well, it's pretty pretty amazing all the different ways that these AI robots are being used. Um, In China, they're delivering food to people staying in quarantine. There's cleaning robots which sort of enter rooms and um, disinfect them. (laughs) And... I think in a lot of ways um, the technology is well suited to COVID-19 because obviously um, it allows for people to work remotely, um, to not be in close contact with one another. If you don't have a human doing those roles, um, you can create a large physical distance. Um, But I guess we don't really know... Uh, yet what is going to happen to all the data collected by all these different robots. We don't really know the downsides, except that we know um, that they are being used in all these different applications and it's important to think about some of those issues. Mm. And are our policymakers doing that thinking? Do we have enough regulations in this AI space? Certainly in Victoria, the Office of the Victorian Information Commissioner published some guidance for public sector bodies on using artificial intelligence. Um, Their recommendation was basically, firstly, to think, is it really necessary? And 
if it's not necessary, maybe to rethink that use. Um, because obviously the public sector government is really bound by legislation which protects people's privacy and data and there has to be a really good reason for um, governments to collect that sort of information. Um, and we also saw earlier this year the um, Human Rights Commission um, presented some recommendations to the Australian government around the use of AI and as part of that, they said um, basically to um, have a kind of moratorium on using facial recognition technology, which has been one of the more controversial aspects of AI technology. What does make facial recognition a more dangerous technology to be in use? Well, um, there's the issue of consent. So have people consented to have their kind of um, biological information collected? And then there's also the issue of bias. So um, the technology learns um, from what's gone before. And if there is discrimination in a system, um, that AI technology can kind of carry that on. So. Facial recognition, I guess, can be associated with um, discriminating um, certain types of people um, potentially unfairly without justification. So um, I, I think the reason the Commission basically said um, there should be a moratorium on it is that it's, it's too risky. We need to think more about it before we use it. Yeah, I get the sense that this technology moves and evolves so fast and we don't necessarily have our social, ethical or legal thinking move at quite the same pace. I think that's definitely the case and um, certainly a lot of excitement as well about some of these technologies and maybe um, often deploying it um, because of that excitement without thinking through all the consequences. Yeah, well, I mean, the idea of a perfect hotel quarantine system with no leaks is very appealing, I have to say. Certainly, certainly right now in Victoria, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Here on The Citizen and Radio Fodder, you're listening to The Yarn. I'm Fia Walsh and my guest is Petra Stock. Petra, let's have a quick look at your reporting process. How did you find this story? Well, the use of the robots was reported actually pretty widely in Melbourne in around February um, in The Age and I think the robot visited one of Melbourne's radio stations. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but then there wasn't a lot of follow-up about it. Um, so I was really keen to dig into it deeper um, and was actually able to speak to the uh, founder of the company that makes the robots as part of my investigation. Sometimes reporting on this real techie stuff can maybe be a bit dry if you're not interested in the field. 
Did you have difficulty adding colour to your piece? Because it is quite a colourful piece when you read it. I found it really engaging. Something that really struck me when I started um, interviewing different people about this was how much with these robots in particular, humans were really keen to kind of personalise them. So loads of different AI robots that are in use around the world are given names. Um, They obviously all also have their sort of own characteristic look about them. Um, And the Cobalt robot, um, even though it doesn't come with a name and is fairly kind of, um, I guess, modern and sleek when you look at it, um, when I spoke to Travis Dial, who's the founder of the company, he talked about how in almost every office and company where they were used, people gave them names, they dressed them up. Um, and I just found that really kind of intriguing. So actually, after I spoke to a few people, it wasn't too hard to add colour because people um, interacting with these robots were already kind of giving them their own personalities. That's funny. In the spirit of helpful technology, I I want to share my tip, which I've recently started uh, using the te- text-to-speech function to read my work back to me, because it's a great way to check for the flow, hear mistakes, and see if it sounds natural. So I was wondering whether you'd like to give a shout out to any bit of tech that helps you do your work. Well, I have been using quite a lot one of these transcription services. So after I um, interview people on the phone, um, can very quickly transcribe their interview into text. And that is actually an AI technology. So I have also thought myself, hmm, do I need to think through the ethical implications of this? But it is very convenient. It's much faster than listening back and carefully transcribing it yourself. Yeah, and I mean, they don't teach us journalist shorthand in this course anymore. Yeah, it would be, (laughs) it would take a lot longer um, without the help of some of these little tools. For sure. Finally, do you have any social media where you'd like our audience to follow you? Well, I do have a Twitter account, um, which can be pretty random because um, I basically tweet sometimes when I do different articles. So um, follow me with the sort of expected randomness in, in um, um, when you do that. Um, and what was that Twitter handle? I think it's just my name, which is Petra Stock. Okay, we'll put Petra Stock in the engine and you'll the AI will do the work and, and bring you up. <laughs> Petra, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Fia. It was nice to talk to you. You can read Petra Stock's story, The Robot Will See You Now, Artificial Intelligence in COVID-19 Healthcare at thecitizen.org.au. Big thanks to our producer, Jordan Beasley. Mark Yin is Radio Fodder producer. Music is by Daniel Birch and graphic design by Rose Gertzakis. 
That's it for this week. I'm Fia Walsh. See you next time here on The Yarn.